Welcome to the HR on the Offensive podcast, brought to you by Lace Partners. Good afternoon and good evening and welcome to the latest HR on the Offensive podcast. It's me, Chris Howard, coming to you once again for our latest podcast. And thank you, as always, for joining us. Today's podcast is a bit of a reflections piece. As a uh, as an organisation, we've been asked, well, quite a lot, actually, in the, in the last few years around benchmarking for HR. And when I'm talking about benchmarking, not, you know, salaries or or you know reward or anything like that it's actually how do i compare my hr function to another hr function kathy who's joining me on the pod kathy how are you doing you all right hi chris i'm good thank you so we've talked and you and i did a podcast probably about a year ago where we talked yeah. about benchmarking it was we talked about you know you can't compare apples with apples because you've got different industries different like company sizes so it's very very difficult to just say this is how you benchmark how you are against other businesses but we're still getting asked that question and so what I wanted to do is take a bit of time today to to talk about that because we ran an event dinner with a whole host of CPOs about a few weeks ago now at the time of recording and I wanted to take some time to reflect on that and we've got uh, a couple of other laces in the room who were also in the room on the evening so I'm going to introduce them now Aaron how are you sir? I'm very well, Chris. Thank you very much. Looking forward to the discussion. Yeah, me too. Me too. And Debbie, you all right? Hello. <laughs> Just hello. That's Just it. Just hello. Just hello. <laughs> Short and sweet. That's how I roll. That's how I roll. So <laughs> listen, guys, you were in the room for the actual dinner that we did with a host of CPOs. Mm. I think we had about 14, 15 CPOs. I just want to kick off. I'll start with you, Kathy. just as a general, some of the interesting discussion places that took part. Is there any one thing that if you think back now to, you know, that couple of weeks ago, one thing that really stood out from you, and then I'll go to Aaron for the same and then Debbie for the same, anything that particularly stood out for you from the discussions that took place? Probably where I'd like to start is just why people are using benchmarking, why CPOs are benchmarking hungry, if you like, in terms of of asking us for insights or, or wanting to use benchmarking. And there were a few different reasons talked about on the night. One was around just trying to understand the direction of travel as a function, so how they compare with other organizations, maybe their competitors or maybe their industry, just to get a sense of what should we be aiming for. I think was one aspect of it. You know, how do we fare compared with others? Other uses of benchmarking was very much around when you're, you know, when they were tasked with maybe driving efficiencies as a function. And obviously, current market climate means that lots of businesses are looking at where they can drive an efficiency in their support functions in particular, for example. And so benchmarking can be helpful to provide guidance on maybe ratios of HR people to employees that, that can give an idea of the scale, but also maybe HR costs as a portion of revenue, for example, um, to give you a sense of of what what good is, I guess, in the marketplace. So we explored a few of those, and I think there were there were definitely different use cases around the table. Yeah, Aaron, from your perspective, anything you want to pluck out? Uh, I spilled a little bit on on Kathy's points there because I thought it was really interesting hearing the why, and it and it did vary around the table, but. It was that hunger to understand where they fit in in comparison and 
really understand that. But I, we also got into a conversation. I guess the one of the things I took away was we got into a conversation initially of where people go for their data sources, and mm-hmm. and you know standard things, the kind of Gartners, the Hackett's, and so on of the world. Uh, and there was a various mix around the table. Others use the you know their their their, their favorite consultancies that they've come across and used before to try and give them multiple data points. And I think one of the things that really came out to me was that there was no one true data source that people were going to and they were having to pull different pieces together to try and give them a picture and I think that led to a really good discussion then about you know where else could you get data from one of which is internal comparison benchmarking so what's your best performing part of your business around hr for example and how does the rest of your hr function compare so there's a number of different elements there but where do you get your data was one of those really interesting things and we came on to talk about other stuff later that i think helps address some of that in a different way but we'll come on to that i'm sure on on the discussion yeah just on that quickly before i get debbie's view so were there many that were looking in terms of how they were benchmarking you said internally do you mean as in benchmarking against other functions or what do you know can you elaborate on that a little bit a lot of the CPOs are from global global functions. So what they were looking at was, you know, how does my German HR function compare to my French HR function? How does my UK manufacturing one compare to my, my Swiss uh, manufacturing one, for example, to try and see if there is comparison on like demographics to see if there was something where, you know, there's just more, there's already a proof point of better efficiency within the business. Yeah. And Debbie, just um, just on this sort of as the opening gambit, anything from you that you just found was found was particularly interesting? Yeah, I think um, we'd sort of titled the event whether the benchmarking concept was a friend or foe to the HR function or to the people function. And I think one of the areas it really came out as a as a friend, if you like, was around investment, whether that's seeking investment, backing up sort of the the kind of business case or the return on investment potential for things like systems or resources. And I, I think I found that really interesting because it hadn't sort of come into my mind that people might use it in that way. But also the counter was that, you know, if investment isn't forthcoming, actually, we might be able to use it to say, well, then we we can't achieve best practice. We can get X far down that line, but we can't get the full way. So it allowed some real kind of thinking around where, where can we get to with what level of investment, what's possible and, and what's not possible. Lovely. Is there any... Was there any discussion around the reasons and the reasons behind it? Because just you talking about, and I'll stick with you, Debbie, just you talking about the investment side of it. I just wonder, is, is that kind of the primary driver between a lot of it? Like, what is the what was the discussion around their motivations? I don't think investment was the primary motivation for doing it, if I'm honest. I think that's another factor that they consider. But I think some of the things that Cathy described up front particularly were were key rationales for me that I was hearing around why would we why would we do benchmarking? So it's more about that sort of how do we measure up, how do we compare either externally or internally? And the other thing that was interesting was where's our opportunities for improvement? So not just looking at what do the numbers say, but what's the story that that's telling us? So where can we make change? Where can we make uh, a, a difference in those benchmarks. And the other thing that, that was was sort of mentioned that I found quite insightful was to talking about not not using excuses around those benchmarks about, you know, why are we why are we different? We're different because of X, Y, Z. So of course we can't achieve that. But actually, you, you know, not accepting those kind of reasons or excuses. So I think I think people want to do those really valid comparisons. 
and stretch themselves and push themselves to try and achieve more. Kathy and Aaron, you're obviously in a room together, so I see a couple of nods. Mm. So just if you guys want to uh, build on just what Debbie was talking about there. Sometimes HR benchmarking is done to the function and mm. the CPA may not have a great degree of choice, right? Sometimes it's a cost drive or an efficiency drive and you may be bringing in people to benchmark every support function, for example. And so you may be finding that you're done unto you rather than you initiating and in that scenario can be used as a bit of a stick to beat you with in terms of right hr this is where you are in your quartile or whatever your you know compare comparison group finance this is where you are it this is where you are as a, as a function and you know depending on whether hr is performing better or worse than the other functions maybe push to achieve more savings. The challenge with that, as we all know about benchmarking, is the apples with apples factor of actually being really clear on the comparator group that's being used and how relevant that is for your organisation. But also having that conversation around actually, what do we want to offer from HR? And if that's a high touch, high value service, then, then maybe actually having a lower ratio of HR people to employees is important, right, to enable us to deliver on that promise. So there, there are numerous factors that need to be taken into account. And I think in the conversation, we were getting that, okay, it, it can be really helpful. If you initiate it, you're in control, right? But sometimes you're not in control. And in those circumstances, really understanding that comparator group is critical to, to be clear on how much relevance and importance you should place on the data. I thought this point about scope was really interesting because very quickly people were like, yeah, no, we get it. That, you know, there's, I might outsource learning and you might not. I might have recruitment internally, you might not. Is payroll in finance or is it in HR? And, and I think there's a, a recognition that when you look at those numbers in the benchmarking from the, from the external market, you've got to be really careful to make sure that it represents your position and you have to then do some adjustment and factoring. And, and, and it's not always easy to do that. And then if you then add on top of that a multiplier, which, as Cathy said, is service level, is this a, a high touch workforce that requires lots of attention from the HR function, whether it's for growth or for leadership reasons or whatever, or is it one that, you know, is is a a mass employment environment where you can have a lot lower touch from the HR perspective. Those are all multiplication factors on whether, you know, where what you need as a function. So I think people were just hungry to try and get some level of data point, but there was a good recognition, I think, that those things really do impact the validity of using just numeric benchmarking. Yeah. Can I ask you both, actually, given that you're both in the room, it'd be interesting to get your views on the different variations as to where people are at with their benchmarking, because I think it might be it's easy for us, easy for me to sit here and think about the different HR functions and us to talk about, you know, comparing the apples and pears and the different businesses. But I feel like some of the conversations that we've had over the years, there's a lot of looking over the fence and thinking, oh, what have they got? Are they doing something a little bit more robust than I? So I'd be interested to get a flavour of from you guys, and then I'll get Debbie just to also jump in on it as well. But you, if you guys can just give us a heads up first, that kind of variations as to where people are at and their journey when it become, when it comes to benchmarking their function. Well, look, I think, I think the challenge is, Chris, that, that benchmarking data is relatively crude in terms of, of what it gives you. It might give you numbers of FTE, it might give you costs, it might give you therefore ratios, but what it won't 
give you is the qualitative factors around service provision, um, the, the nature of what you're doing as a function, the impact you're having on people's well-being or their engagement levels, or all the other factors, right, that that, that yeah. drive value for the business. So. In terms of where people are at, most people are using that sort of relatively, you know, broad brush ratios, financial structures, yeah. etc. But actually, that that's really only one part of the story, and it's quite difficult to use in a, on a standalone basis. So it's the context to me that's really important, the business context, but also where you want to get to. And just because hundred companies over here are doing it that way, does it mean that that's the way you should do it? You know, your business context is different. And I get what you're saying earlier, Debbie, about, you know, it's easy to put excuses in as to why it's not relevant. But at the same time, if you're trying to do something that's fundamentally different and differentiate yourself in the marketplace on your people proposition, how relevant is the benchmark, you know, if if you want to be different? Yeah. So there's, there's that aspect to it as well. But I think most of the people in the room were, were gathering data or had data or had used it previously yeah. around broad ratios and costs. Yeah, and I think my, my takeaway from that is that there were, most of them were discussing and talking about using KPIs for other things, so a more balanced set of KPIs to understand the performance of their business than their function against their business. So engagement, ENPS is a big one that's come out recently, right? People start to measure ENPS and to understand that feedback from the, from their, their customer groups. But I think the other interesting thing for me was that as you say, a lot of them have used them, but they're using them to Debbie's point for very specific things, right? It's either to defend the size of their function or to justify an investment or to justify reinforcing and growth of that that function to allow them to address business need. So it's, it's typically in, in I think, in conjunction with some form of business case or, or business justification. Yeah. And Debbie, just before we uh, wrap up, because I do want to talk about the 10 traits next, just any final thoughts from you from that perspective? Yeah, no, I mean, I think I think there was certainly recognition around the table that ratios are the most commonly requested, right? So that it seems to be the go-to. And, and there was also, you know, the recognition, as Cathy describes, that you know, there, there is not a, a very simple like for like kind of translation of those unless you look at, a you know, a variety of of different factors. So I, I think I think that's really key. And I think therefore a, a breadth of kind of different benchmarks and different contexts is the only thing that can can make those really relevant to for, for comparison. So I think and I think the, the the kind of draw out around not making excuses was a little bit around, you know, try and find some opportunity in some of what you're hearing in those benchmarks, right? So, you know, rather than just decide we're we're bog standard different we can't go all the same direction as another organization but what are they doing that we could learn from and that was some of the kind of the, the nugget i think in terms of looking you know it may be comparing apples and pears but is there anything they're doing over there that might be of interest to us and how could we apply that so that that i think is um yeah it's just interesting to see where that could take us i guess Definitely. So let's talk about, can I just, we'll move us on a little bit because I do want to talk about the 10 traits, which was something that we kind of stress tested with the uh, the CPOs in the room. And I'll start with you, Debbie, and then I'll move to Aaron and Cathy just with some, some thoughts based on some of the discussions that took place there. Can you just explain to our listeners a little bit about what the 10 traits is and how we used it and applied it, et cetera, et cetera? 
Yeah, sure. So we, we've um, sort of distilled, if you like, a lot of research and different work with different clients to identify what we think are the 10 traits of high performing people functions. And uh, we've nailed those down into, as I say, 10 traits, a fairly simple definition of each of those. And on the day, what we asked our, our guests was to, to just kind of do a quick self-assessment and see where did they think they sort of stacked up against those 10 traits. The, the key thing about it really is it's a qualitative expression to quantitative one. So we are, in this case, we were we were self-assessing. In other cases, we have analysed sort of input from clients to try and assess and, and give an indication of where we think they would sit against those 10 traits and what the opportunities are to improve their people function as a result of that. And that's part of the work we do with some of our people function health checks, our CPO health checks. So we, we gave them this opportunity just to, to test it and to, to see how it worked for them, but also to have a, a quick look at how does their function stack up against those 10 traits? And because we had an audience of about 10 participants kind of joining in the the, the self-assessment, we were able to do some comparison, some anonymous comparison against that group. So we shared with our participants the, the their individual feedback and, and a, a comparison against the, the the group that had completed it on the day, just to see what, what did that tell them? What did that tell us? So yeah, that was the activity we went through. And from that perspective, Aaron and Kathy, just what some thoughts, just I, I wanted to bring you in on this, some thoughts around the 10 traits and why why it's important that people are taking this self-reflection. Well, maybe we should just give a few examples of what the traits are to try and bring that yeah. to life for the people yeah. who are listening. So th- these are one, these are traits that we've distilled out, as, as Debbie says, from, from our experience and from discussions with, with leading people functions. And it, it covers everything from being business aligned and partnership driven, for example. So absolute alignment. And, and these are sort of descriptions of the sort of top end of the scale, if you like, in terms of being completely aligned to driving value and, and the business goals and objectives through to being employee centric and experience rich. So taking a really strong people experience lens to, to everything that you do through to having change leader mindset within the HR function, being solution and innovation led. So bringing new ideas and and creating new ways of doing things, constantly learning, adapting and evolving. So never sitting still, that continuous improvement focus, focusing on points of competitive differentiation. So how do you stand out in the market and how do you stand out to both your talent, but also your employees that you already have? Supercharging people managers, you know, having really strong focus on enabling people managers, line managers to embrace their people management responsibilities and do it brilliantly. Having quick and agile decision-making, being digitally and technology enabled. So taking a very digitized stance. And obviously right now that involves AI as well, in terms of where you're going with that as an organization and having that data and insights mindset, right? Being insights led. So so those are the sort of themes that, that we've pulled out as being most relevant. And when we talk to CPOs and HR leaders, the ones that they're really aspiring to have within their function. And, and, you know, I think one of the things that stood out for me in that conversation, one was, I think, coming at it 
coming at benchmarking and a discussion of comparator, you know, when we talked about the benchmarking and why people are interested in it, it's about wanting to know how others do, right? So this gives you 10 points of reference to how others are approaching their function, right? So it starts giving you a more balanced perspective. I think there's a, as you start to think about it as a CPO, you start filling it in, you realize you can't be great at everything all the time. So there's also choices that come out from the discussion and, and the dialogue. I think one of the things that really stood out for us as we went through just that little exercise as we were talking through benchmarking and we ran this with them was just how low data and data and insights comes out on a regular basis. It's probably the most consistently lowly scored um, trait, if you like, in the function is one that people want to do better at and want to improve. So consistent and, 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 and that clearly underpins a lot of your ability to make fast decisions uh, in the business. And so but so it's quite telling once you start to see that data mm -hmm. come together. So, yeah, just a different way to look at things, I think. The other aspect of the trait model that's important to understand is that we talk about it as being like the DNA of the leading mm -hmm. people functions and, and therefore DNA for a scientist among us is sort of made up of, of four bases. And, and so we're, we're trying to say that to depending on where you where you are now and where you want to get to in terms of your ambition against the 10 traits, you can flex your four bases that get you there. And those would be like process, people, technology, governance, you know, the, the, the different things and, and systems, the different things that enable you as a function to do what you do. So by flexing the bases, you can shift your DNA as a function against those 10 traits and, and exhibit those 10 traits in different ways. Debbie, you've obviously had a look at some of the data and seen some of the responses. And obviously, we're not going to name names because why would we do that? Mm -hmm. But from some of the stuff that you've seen, is there anything that surprised you? Aaron mentioned the data side of it. And maybe we can touch on that if, 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 if that's the key sort of takeaway that's a surprising thing. Like, why is that coming up as something that needs more investment in? Perhaps that's one question, but parking that for now, is there anything from the data that you've seen or from some of the responses that surprised you at all? I mean, I, I think it was interesting. We we got quite a variation. So, so there's a couple of common themes. One, as Aaron's already described, is sort of that data and insights mindset. At the more positive end of the spectrum was sort of the business partnership. So generally, our respondents felt that they had sort of good business partnering and, and were aligned well with what their businesses wanted to achieve in terms of their people function. So, so we were seeing that sort of broad strength. But, but, but other than that, there was quite some, some variation around the different responses. And I think you know, in some organizations, we were seeing some really strong business partnering, change leader mindset, innovation and creativity, which sort of suggests a real theme towards a certain type of behavior in in, in those organizations. And also, as we described it, it's sort of, it, it's an opportunity then to leverage some of those strengths to address some of the other things like, for example, employee centricity, which perhaps may have been lower in, in some organizations. So we, we were certainly recording it in that way to look at what were some of the, the real strengths that those organizations were showing and how could those strengths really be leveraged to address some of the challenges as well. So I think business partnering, change leader mindset was sort of quite variable. And the other one that, that was perhaps uh, less favorable, more in terms of the prioritization from our participants was around focusing on competitive differentiation. So really this opportunity to make yourself stand out in the, in the market, which wasn't seen as a high priority. Now that that might be representative of the fact that actually there are other things to to kind of address within the organization before we start looking out that might be something to explore. 
Yeah, and just on that then, Aaron, just anything that surprised you or anything that you thought, that's interesting, that you want to pull out? Because I know you mentioned, obviously, the data side, but was there anything else from your side that you thought, ah, that's interesting? I, I just think it's a, just a deeper reflection on the data point, actually, which I think was less about data quality, which is undoubtedly always an issue in any function, whether it's finance or HR. But, you know, it's more about the fact that I think when in conversation around it, there are business questions now that require people insight that CPOs was feeling they were unable to answer to the level of quality they wanted to because their underlying data was not where it needed to be. So it was more about trying mm -hmm. to achieve an outcome around insight that they couldn't achieve because of data quality. So it's a slightly different focus on it, I think. And then building on that, you know, the other area that came out similarly sort of low scoring was about digital and technology enabled and I guess the two go hand in hand to a great extent you know the data and insights you need the, the tools to capture the data in the first place and, and enable you to report which then drives the insights yeah. so I think those two being equally low if you like was was you know not surprising they were together the extent of how low they were was maybe a bit surprising yes. yeah. and and we know right now you know that that a lot of you know CPOs that we talk to want to be more data led, want to be driving insights, and and are frustrated. They're not necessarily able to do that very easily from their current architecture, either either because data is poor, or the systems themselves are, yeah. are not delivering the, the the reporting mechanisms that they want. And, and in reality, it's not that the reports aren't coming out. And maybe you have too many of them, yeah. or, mm. or don't know how best to navigate them, or really hone in on what's most important for them. Yeah. which you know is something obviously that that we know is a core driver of value within that um, but I, I think that the, the thing that the 10 traits really helps us do is if you if you look at the quantitative data points that you might get from ratios and cost percentages and so on that we talked at started at the top of the call in terms of where people typically benchmark if you combine that with the 10 traits framework you're mixing that qualitative and quantitative data points in a way that you can actually make some quite informed direction around where you want to go to and and certainly debbie you've been helping you know clients work on this as a where are we now and where do we want to be from a 10 traits and and if you combine that with the data points of of and how does our cost compare and how do our ratios compare of size and scale and relative size and scale of the hr function you actually get quite a holistic view of where are we now and where do we want to be and you can then actually have make far, you can have a far more informed debate about what does that really mean for our HR operating model i.e those bases that sit underneath it and what would need to change if we wanted to shift the dial on let's say data and insights or shift the dial on being solution and innovation led for example you know what, what would need to change so we're just coming towards the end of the uh podcast now and I just wanted to um just take a, a minute or two and ask you guys if there was anything just as we wrap up that perhaps we might not have covered that you just thought might have been interesting from the actual session itself. Just to remind our listeners, so we regularly run a series of where well, we do CPO and CHRO forums. But we also have different function forums as well. So HR shared services, we do payroll, we've got, done some transformation stuff, employee experience. If you are interested, then just give us a shout and yeah, we'd happy to chat more. But Kathy, just as a final wrap up, and then I'll go to Aaron and then uh, Debbie, if there's anything final from your perspective, anything that kind of that we haven't covered that you thought actually that was quite interesting? I think from my point of view, Chris, the fact that um, that CPOs, HRDs get, this is an emotive topic, 
right? Mm. People in the room were passionate about talking around HR benchmarking. And that shows that, that it's topical, right? But it's also something that's on people's minds. And I think the fact that there was absolutely understanding the value it can bring, but the frustrations that you've got on making sure the data is relevant, I think was was coming through loud and clear. But we had such a robust and interesting debate. And as you say, we run lots of dinners, lots of events. I think this for me was one of those ones that really could have could have run and run in terms of a conversation topic. And and that tells us something, right, about how people feel about benchmarking and whether it's fit for purpose and why they use it and whether it's actually delivering value for them. And I think for all the reasons we've highlighted above, you know, we would absolutely recommend taking a more holistic approach rather than going for one or two data points. But actually it was that the the passion in the room, I think for me, was an observation of what I really enjoyed about the discussion. Aaron? I think no, I'd agree completely. But I think for me, the takeaway was that we had a, a lot of different CPOs from very different industries in the room. And that requirement around benchmarking cut across all those industries. Mm. Different sizes as well. Sizes, yeah. different global demographic coverages, different country coverage, different industries. Yeah, there was a there was a real demand from all of them. And Debbie, yeah. just to wrap and, us up then. Yeah, just my my build on Aaron's really, Aaron's point is is I was impressed at how open everybody around the room was to to that kind of challenge. So absolutely recognizing some of the limitations, if you like, of of benchmarking, as we described, but really wanting to find something that can help them to to think differently about their function or to to challenge their own assumptions about the people function that they are leading. So I, I was I think that's a, a really exciting part of the, the sort of process, if you like. Yeah, brilliant. Well, hopefully you've uh, you've enjoyed today's podcast. We're just uh, wrapping up now. It's been really interesting to get those insights and that perspective on where businesses are and particularly from a benchmark and why this is such a, a hot topic and remains a hot topic. As I said, right at the top of the show, Kathy and I were having this conversation because she's been speaking to different CPOs over a year ago and this has been something that is an ongoing thing but hopefully you found it interesting as interesting as we've found talking to you about it and as i said we run a number of these different forums so if you are interested and you're listening in reach out to us and we'll be we'll be happy to chat just wanted to say thank you very much to debbie for joining thank us. you thank very you, much debbie. thank you to kathy for being part of the thank show you. as always lovely thanks chris really enjoyed it and the man who's the real star because uh he just is it's Aaron Aubrey. Yeah, no, I, oh. purely I've just said that just to see if I can get a rouse out of Kathy. Oh. Uh, but Aaron, thanks for coming you on. You can see my face. You definitely have <laughs> the desired impact, but it I'm works. not going to verbalise that for the, for the listeners. <laughs> really, clearly there was no choice to be made there, Chris. Hopefully you've enjoyed the show. Um, you can listen to all of our back catalogue of podcasts. We're coming to 140 odd now that we've uh, wow. we've delivered across a variety of different topics. Visit the Lace Partners website, lacepartners.co.uk forward slash podcast. You can also see our insights section where for some of our, uh, our top, top podcasts, we'll often do like a summary of it in blog written format as well. Thank you very much as always for listening in. We hope you've enjoyed it and hopefully we will see you next time on the HR on the Offensive Podcast. Bye-bye.